Welcome back to the third episode of Budding Business. I'm your host, Sean Kuhn, joined by Luke Griffin today. How you doing? Ladies, he's as handsome as he sounds. Um, on the pallet today, uh, we're not going to do a traditional intro because we actually have a really beefy interview today when we covered a lot of things that I think deserve a lot of attention. So because of that, um, we're not going to have a recap, but we're going to intro our guest we have today. And Luke, who might that be? So today we'll be interviewing uh, Kellen Weathers, Mr. Kellen Weathers. He is my AP Human Geography teacher right now. He is a very energetic and lively person. He's a wonderful teacher, always, uh, you know, just energetic, happy, and he's just a great teacher. Yeah, I had him also last year for AP Human Geography, and he, he really was effective in teaching us what we had to know, but he also sprinkled in a lot of real-world examples. Specifically, there was one day where he took time out of class to talk about a lot of the different ventures outside of the classroom that he took, including investments, both in retirement funds like Roth IRAs or 401ks, but also in real estate. And that's what we're going to have him on to talk about today, because along with being a teacher, he is a, uh, he is a property owner. I think he said in the interview of around 16 properties. So uh, get ready, buckle in. We're going to be talking to Mr. Weathers about how he gets a little, well, not necessarily a little, but some extra cash flow, some more green, a little bit more bread. How about some extra dead presidents? You know, I could go on and on and on about the cash or money metaphors, but it doesn't change the fact that we're here to talk about passive income and how it's working for him. So without further ado, here is our interview. Hope you enjoy. And amazing person, Mr. Kellen Weathers. How are we doing? Good. How are you guys? Fantastic. Doing great. So, actually, coming up, I believe you are going to be giving your students a talk about how to make money, correct? Uh, correct. Yes. Yeah. I remember this from last year. This was honestly like one of my favorite days from school because like you, we did learn a lot in your class outside of what you talked about, but what you talked about in that specific day, like some of those things still stick with me today. So I figured this would be a great thing to talk about on the show. So I guess I'd start off with like when, where, or who did you first hear about investing from? Like where were, when were you first exposed to it? Uh, probably a lot like you guys, like when you're young, like people talk about investing and the importance of like making your money work for you and, and how different structures of investing work when you get older. Um, so probably like middle school, high school time period. Um, but you know, just more vague, like you need to invest or you got to make sure you prepare for your future or stuff like that. People didn't really spend a lot of time talking about like the specific ways or processes to like do that. Um, so then c being exposed to more of that as you get older, uh, tends to be what happens, which is why I, I spend the Tuesday before Thanksgiving always kind of talking about how like I invest and how I've structured my life to generate more income. So, um, so what you're saying is, um, you didn't really have much like classes per se to teach you how to do this you can't learn it on your own no so for 
for you guys, I believe it's a requirement now where you have a business or finance class, personal yeah. finance class before you graduate. That didn't exist when I was in high school. Um, kind of it's typically been left up to like families and parents. Um, but the problem with that is, as I'm sure you guys know from taking your finance class, a lot of people in the United States live paycheck to paycheck and don't invest and prepare long term. We kind of count on people to figure it out on their own, which can be a challenge for people. Definitely. So is there like a, a specific person or like an aha moment you could point to to like when you first kind of figured it out or someone who helped you along the way? Um, I had a couple different experiences when I was younger that were beneficial to me. Um, I think my dad did a good job um, pushing being smart with your money based off of mistakes that my dad had made. Um, and then I kind of got to watch some older siblings maybe make some poor financial decisions that then they had to like pay off and deal with long term, uh, especially in terms of like credit cards and stuff like that. Uh, there's a lot more restrictive laws now, but when my oldest sister was in college, like predatory credit lending, um, opening up credit cards for free t-shirts and then that destroying your credit was uh, more prevalent on college campuses. Um, so I, I saw some people make some mistakes. Um, I always liked working and always had jobs. Um, and so when I was in high school, I opened up my first uh, my Roth IRA and started contributing to that. So that was your first investment that you made? Was your yeah. Roth IRA? Roth IRA in high school was, was my first investment I made. I decided that I needed to have so much money set aside to like go into college to like live and function. And then when I hit that number from working, um, I was like, okay, well, what do I need to do with this extra money? Um, and my dad's financial advisor was like, well, at this point you should open up a Roth IRA, whatever you can put into it, you put into it. So I worked a lot in the summers, um, because I played sports in high school. And so I just took, 15% of whatever I made from each paycheck and started contributing that into my Roth IRA. What was that job that you worked over the summer? Just curious. I had a couple different jobs. Um, I was fortunate enough to, um, uh, a guy who was at our church had a uh, floor business, like stripping and waxing floors. So I used to work for him over the summer on like Sunday nights. We'd go in at 5 p.m., we'd work till 5 a.m. Uh, and he'd just kind of pay me cash. Um, so that was a very lucrative job. And then I spent a lot of my summers lifeguarding for Cincinnati Recreation Commission uh, at City Pools. And by the time I was 19, I was a manager. So I was making thirteen fifty an hour in 2002-ish. Mm. That's pretty good. Yeah, so it was, it was really good then. Um, and I worked as much as I could. And then when I went to college, I got a, I was lucky enough to get a job at a bar. And then I ran a bar through college, so then that was that paid a good amount of money, and I just started. I just kept contributing the whole time. So, like, what would you describe? Like, what would you say your main goals were when you started investing? <sighs> to not like be financially insecure. To kind of mm -hmm. just like have some sort of nest egg to always kind of prepare for something later. Um, as I got older my goals got more specific. Uh, early on, especially right out of college, it was just how to like, I started real estate investing to reduce my like personal month to month cost. So I got out of college, you're paying 500 bucks a month in rent and that just goes away every month. And I thought, 
uh, had a, a sister who, who, or a brother-in-law who bought a, a rental property. He lived in one unit and then rented out the other. Um, so it drastically reduced how much he was paying month to month. And I, after a year, thought that was a really good idea and was tired of paying rent. So now it's called house hacking. Um, that was the first thing I did where I, I house hacked. I bought a multifamily property. My then girlfriend, now wife, was getting ready to go back to school. Um, so we bought a house for $145,000. We rented out the top for six hundred. dollars lived in the bottom, and I was paying the same in rent as I was to, to own a house. And then the plan was always to keep it and pay it down, and then that would be like later our kids' college money stuff like that but since then our goals and plans have changed and we've added a lot more so you started out with that one rental property right? i know yep obviously that has gotten bigger than what it is like what were some of the challenges you had when you first started it and when you and try to expand outside of that uh take i'd say the the biggest challenge initially is like taking on the risk right so like it's scary to buy your first one because you're like, well, now I'm responsible for this. Just like any major purchase in the life, first time you buy a car, first time you buy a house, it's always kind of scary and you're like, I don't know if I can do this. You're on the hook for a larger percentage of money. And I would say initially what's hard is, is just taking that risk in terms of the finances of your life. I mean, when I started teaching, well, I bought the, so I bought the house and immediately lost my first teaching job. Um, so that was fun, but <laughs> I was lucky enough to get one here the, the, the following year. So like, but you're only making $38,000 a year. So your paychecks are like 1100 bucks. You've got student loans that were like 365. So it's just kind of tight in terms of your finances. And sometimes that fear of taking on a challenge that's unknown or that unknown risk is really hard for people initially. Looking back now, I should have probably been more aggressive and scaled up even faster than I have already. Um, but you know, growing slow is safer and, and more predictable. So that's kind of the path we've, we've gone. Um, what was sort of like a breakthrough moment that went through like with real estate, like you realized, Oh, I'm getting pretty good at this. I can make this a bigger deal. I think probably the breakthrough moment would be, partnering with someone else. Um, so we all have skills and abilities and we're all good at different things. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, especially when you're young, you kind of feel like I have to do this all by myself. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna rise and grind, I'm gonna do this by myself <laughs> and I'll figure it out. And that's great. Like, I think probably one of the greatest skills I've had is just like, yeah, I can do that. Like I always kind of feel like I can do that. Like, I'll figure it out. I can, I can fix that. I can, I can take on this challenge. Um, but there's things that I'm not great at that I, or things that I don't love. And I've been fortunate enough to like have a good friend who I talked into buying his first piece of real estate. So I wanted to buy the house across the street from the one I bought. Um, but my wife liked the one that we ended up buying more. So I told him like, you should buy that one. Um, <laughs> and then later we partnered up and that's, what's really allowed me to scale a lot quicker in the last like three to four years is partnering with someone. So we've divided the workload, um, but we've gone from two units to 16 units, what much faster than um, I originally thought would be possible. I wrote a business plan after I stopped coaching to kind of convince my wife 
that we should buy more rental properties. Um, and my goal was to have 15, 13 to 15 units in like three to five years. Uh, and then I partnered with my friend um, and we had 16 units in like 14 months. So my draw is less because I split the equity with other people, um, but we've scaled up much quickly and now my, uh, much more quickly. I and mean, now my goals have changed in terms of like the number that I'm willing to take on because I've divided the workload. So do you say it works out because like it's less work for you or do you both like complement each other with different? Yeah, we both complement each other. Um, he, sometimes, uh, I am not always the best at dealing with people who aren't managing their, uh, their time and their life <laughs> as well as they should. Um, and he's, he has a much more, we'll say, delicate touch with the tenants. Um, so he handles a lot of that stuff um, in terms of like dealing with the people side of the business. Um, he is not as good at fixing and repairing and maintaining properties, um, which I am, so that's what I bring to the table. Uh, and then we're both kind of spreadsheet people, so we both run the numbers on properties, look for investments, and scale it that way. I slow him down, he would buy everything he ever saw. Um, everything's a good deal to him, uh, and I move a little bit more slowly. So he speeds me up, and we've bought more than I would have bought on my own. Um, and I slow him down from maybe buying things that in the long the run choice. wouldn't be the best choice. Yeah. So I kind of caught in that you were talking about like actually going in and repairing things yourself. So mm -hmm. are you saying you have to be like apt on the financial side of it as well as like, you know, the handy side of it, like actually getting in there? You don't have to be able to get in and fix things um, for for me and my life, right? So like my real estate investment, the goal is for it to fit in with my life, right? So like one of your questions on your sheet was like, why did you teach instead of going real estate full time? Well, like I love what I do. I don't want to stop doing what I'm doing, but I'd also like to make a little bit more money and have more life experiences and provide some long-term financial stability for my family. Um, give my kids some things that you know, some advantages that maybe my wife and I didn't have. Um, and one way that you can mitigate the cost and accelerate future investment is not have to pay people for everything. If you're not good at that, you can totally uh, outsource it, but then that just eats, that just increases your cost line of that equation on the spreadsheet, right? So. And a lot of things you can do, right? Like you guys are lucky because you live in this time period where like everything is fixable, right? You might not know how to do anything. You might know how, not know how to clean a furnace. You might not know how to change a toilet. But there's this beautiful thing called YouTube where there's <laughs> millions of lessons on exactly how to do it. Um, but a lot of people are scared to try and do those things. Um, and for me, you know, going back to like how I grew up, like my dad fixed everything. So that's just... My dad's the same way. Right. So that's just what I, I was never like worried about that. And my wife's father fixes everything and does everything. So it's like, you know, she doesn't see any problem with, with me doing that. And that's been really beneficial in the business end because I've, I only have to pay people to do like big things. Like, like I'll pay people to put on a roof. I'll pay people to change a furnace because I don't have the time and the help and it, you know, it's just, I plan for those costs. And then it's like, if the toilet breaks, I fix that. 
If we need to put new flooring in, I do that. If we want to take down a wall and expand it, I do that. So, you know, if we paint, tear down wallpaper, like stuff that a lot of people don't want to do, but the cost for us to actually do it, like paint's 250 bucks, and then it takes time, but it increases the value of the property. So that's one way we've increased our equity is to do that stuff. Hmm. And um, what would you say is sort of um, the best skill for someone else to get into real estate? Uh, like taking action and taking risk. Uh, I think probably especially for your age demographic, your initial challenge is like thinking long-term and growing slow, right? So like you guys think like, I want to like, I want this podcast to take off and I want a million viewers in a week. Right, well, that's, <laughs> that's a pipe dream. Yeah. Right, pipe dream. So, but like, if you think about it, like, well, where do you want this to be in five years? Where do you want this to be in 10 years? Like, what kind of value do you want to have? What's your, all, like starting at the end and then working backwards. Like, what do you want your life to look like when you're 40? All right, well, what does that mean you got to be at when you're 30? What does that mean you got to do in the next five years? Uh, and I, I don't think you guys always take that like, long-term approach um, and you you know you may look at someone like me and think like oh like he's got 16 units and you know like you probably were like oh like that's really impressive at that lesson that I taught before Thanksgiving you're like that sticks with me and it's like I look at other people and I'm small potatoes um, compared to other people who have hundreds and thousands of units um, but it's also like I'm almost 40 I started when I was 28 so it's been 12 years just to get to this point but i know when i'm 60 i'll be way ahead of where i was when i was 40 you know so it, it, you guys are lucky like you could start this now you know like you could go to college your freshman year and then buy a house your sophomore year and then rent it to your college roommates and make money instead of spend money during that time period and and then it just snowballs and accelerates. But if you're unwilling to like plan and then take on a little bit of risk, um, it, it, the process never starts. So True. starting, most people just don't start. They get paralyzed, they overanalyze, or they get too scared and they never take action. So taking actions. The taking risks and then having that long-term goals and planning. Yeah, and don't be afraid of like failing. Like I've had plenty of failures in terms of like investing like I've put bids on houses haven't gotten them or bought houses and thought they performed one way and they haven't performed that way and you know you learn a lot along the way you got to be willing to to fail to figure out what you're good at so you were saying like when you're 60 you want to be a lot farther ahead than you are now do you have like a specific goal at that point or have you, is there anything you have like written out that you want to be at that sure point. so I wrote a I wrote a, that plan uh, to convince my wife uh, that was a three to five year plan we got that done in a year so then after that um, we set another five-year plan which was to pay my wife's student loans off um, by the time she was 40 um, so that was five years and we did that in two um, so now we're ahead on that um, so now uh, usually what we do at the end of every year, which is now, um, my wife and I will go out on a date, we'll sit down, uh, and we'll talk about kind of, all right, what's our next five-year plan? Um, in terms of by the time I'm 60, I will definitely have more units than I have now. I will have replaced lots of like bills um, with real estate investment stuff. Um, so right now I'm in the phase of, of growing and, and building. I haven't actually like taken any money or very little money out of the, the businesses so my 
cash flow buys me houses and my houses buy me houses. Uh, and then later on, Makes sense. Um, hopefully those properties will run as efficiently as my first one's running now. Uh, and then I'll probably get into the other side of the business where I find people like you guys who want to get started and maybe don't have the capital necessary. And I'll provide the capital and let you run the business uh, like I am for other people now. Um, and then I just have equity and long-term stake in. So maybe be a hard money lender or have other people run the properties and I just have equity in them so that I'm less involved and I have more time. That's the goal, isn't it? Let's yeah. That. I mean, a job is just trading your time for something someone doesn't want to do. Exactly. Um, so, you know, I'm smart enough now to know that 25-year-old Kellen is very different than 39-year-old Kellen <laughs> and 60-year-old Kellen will be very different than 39-year-old Kellen. So the investing and the income I have, especially as it, it becomes more passive, gives me a lot more flexibility. Like, you're, you know, one of the questions on your sheet was, you know, why didn't you go to real estate investing full time? Well, it's because I love teaching. Um, but I don't know, you know, like how long am I going to love teaching? I keep getting older and you guys keep staying the same age because you leave and a new group comes in. Mm. So how long am I relatable and energetic and, and engaging to students? And when that stops happening, then I'll probably shift to something else. Um, if it never happens, great. Then I'm happy with my life and I love my job and I've got investments uh, rolling. Um, but if it, if it does happen, then I've got the financial flexibility to shift and change. You know, I don't want to be stuck doing something that doesn't engage me or make me happy. Is there another field like outside of teaching that you've ever considered or kind of like a dream job, I guess you could say? No, I mean, I, I have, I have my dream job, Aww. you know? So, I mean, I have my administration license, so like I could be a principal, but I don't, I don't want to deal with other people's problems. <laughs> I want to deal with my problems, right? True, true. And so, you know, I'm, I'm doing what I like doing. It's, I have a great work-life balance. My wife has a great job. She makes good money. Um, you know, if you've ever taken my class, you know, I joke that she's my sugar mom all the time. <laughs> yes, you do. Uh, all the yeah. time. So, and sometimes I think students think that I'm like down on myself, but I'm not because I know long-term, like I'll end up making more than my wife because of my investment strategy. And it's really our money, not my money and her money. Um, so we're a great team. Um, but you know, it, it's nice to have that, that flexibility and that long-term adjustments. If, if everything fell apart today, like if principals walked in there like you don't work here anymore um you know I, I have things that i could do like i am handy i can't fix things i could start a business on that end um take that money put it into more real estate i could do real estate full time um but it's something that i do because of what it provides me not because i i love it like it doesn't engage me like teaching engages me um so it's a necessary thing that i don't think i would teaching. be as happy you know, doing, having hundreds of units and, and managing and running that full time. Um, I would, might, I might make more money, but I don't think I would be as happy. So that's why I've stayed away from that. Money can't buy you happiness. Yeah. And, and time, you know, like teaching affords me to spend lots of time with my kids, which I love. Um, and you know, if you, the bigger you grow business, Sometimes you can get trapped by the golden handcuffs, right? Like you're making so much money, you have to do it, and your life cre has creeped up, and, and so, you know, I've got to 
nice stable thing and, a, and something that can grow exponentially on the other end. So it's a nice balance for me. Gold handcuffs. I actually really like that. I've never heard it before. Yeah. I'm definitely going to be using that for now. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of people get stuck in like really high-end W-2 paying jobs and then their life creeps up and they keep up with the Joneses and spend too much money. All right. Well, we're nearing the end of the interview. Okay. Uh, now, anyone that knows you knows that you are a huge fan of hip hop. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. And we both share a love for Jay-Z and Kanye West. And I figured I would ask you to choose between a Jay-Z or a Kanye album. I know this might be hard, okay, but I feel like this would really help our audience figure out who the GOAT really is. I know, okay, going into this, you think Jay-Z's better, right? Yeah, okay. Jay-Z has a, has a larger um, kind of lexicon or body of work. I'm in the same boat as you there. Okay, so I figure I'll start out with their first albums, Reasonable Doubt or The College Dropout. Okay, so The College Dropout is probably the better overall album between the two of them. If you I take agree. any album, The College Dropout is better. But here's the thing in terms of evaluating music. You also have to look at it in terms of like when you experience it. True. So for me, The College Dropout is like right when I start college. So, you know, that's a great time period of life and is a lot of fun. Um, so you have to take that into account too. So are you saying College Dropout? Yes. I okay. Like yeah, I, I agree with you there. Yeah. College Dropout is my favorite album of all time. Not a single miss on that. All right. So next, let's do, okay. Graduation or the Black Album? The Black Album. Okay. Yeah. I agree with you there. Blueprint or Lay Registration? Blueprint. Why? Um, again, like probably time period of my life, hmm. right? Like the Blueprint is like early high school, probably like right around the time I'm like getting my driver's license and that CD <laughs> was definitely like in my car on heavy rotation. All right. One last one, I'm trying to think. Those are like, that's like Jay-Z's big three and Kanye. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, I forget, okay. Here's a real question. Have you ever heard the Grey album? Yeah, yeah, you told me about that last Okay, then you went and listened to it. Yeah, it was, okay. I don't know if I, I didn't love it. But it's I, a cool concept. I like some of them. Yeah. And then I think you talk about the Beatles one too, where it was uh, Beatles songs mashed up with the Black mm -hmm. Album. That one was pretty good. Oh, I'm trying to think. It's like Doubt, Black, and Blueprint are like Jay Z's biggest three. Yeah. Because okay, I want I want I want to throw in Fantasy, but I don't know if there's like one of Jay Z's albums. Yeah, there just isn't. And I'm not, I haven't been a big fan of like Kanye's more recent stuff. Yeah, I figured you would. He's gone in a different direction and. I've had kids and haven't had as much time to listen to music, so. Hmm. Okay, I know. I think we're alright if we leave it at that because there's. I don't really know if there's a Jay Z album outside of those two that I could compare. With I don't know. Do you do you agree with me there? Is there anything that could compare to Twisted Fantasy? No, I mean there's nothing that kind of like parallels it in terms of it's. It's really hard because what's been unique about both of those those guys is most rap artists only get three albums. Exactly. So, you know, and the third one's usually not as good as the first two because it's based on some beef with somebody else. <laughs> um, and then so, but those guys have had really long careers and it's been interesting to watch, like, especially with Jay-Z, he's been a great investor. Oh, yeah. He's got lots of, and, and he raps about that now, you know, he raps about, like, buying works of art. Oh, yeah, so OJ. Right? Yeah. And then, and, then it, and then it grows. So he's been a really... Um, 
He's been more than just music, so that's. And his net worth is only like I think only like eight percent of it is his music catalog. Like yeah. Almost everything else is just investments that he's made. Yep, and that's how most famous people who are crazy wealthy end up being. Well, I think that's gonna be it for this interview. Thank you for your time, Mr. Brothers. We really yeah. appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Of course. Back from our interview, I'm still here with Luke, and we're gonna give some of our closing thoughts on what we thought transpired in that interview. Luke, what do you have to say? Um, so one thing I definitely um, really liked is sort of um, his advice toward beginning uh, people trying to get into real estate and investing. Um, and what he said is kind of like you just have to get out there and take a risk, otherwise you'll just overthink it, and you'll just never really begin. And I think that's very important for people trying to get into like real estate and investing, because if you just double take and overthink yourself and never really put yourself out there, you'll never really accomplish much. Yeah, I agree with you, Luke. I think I don't know if you had like a specific metaphor in it, but I always kind of think of like getting cold feet. You're just like getting trapped in Definitely. the thought of like, what if this goes wrong? Uh, what about this? What about that? You know, instead of just going through just all those Just tripping over your own, your own feet. Exactly, yeah. Uh, and another thing that I took away was um, Mr. Weathers, like he said, he doesn't, like, have a deep love or passion for, like, owning real estate. It's, I think it's hard for anyone to. But what that allows him, that investment that he made, gives him more time to spend with, you know, the people that he loves in his life and more time for his passion. A part of that also has to do with his profession as a teacher, but that him being a teacher and him liking his job there and then him using the money that he earns and reinvesting into property gives him a lot more flexibility and freedom to do the things that he wants to do. And that's basically what passive income is supposed to be for. It's to allow you more financial mobility and more personal mobility to do whatever you want in life. So that's going to be enough for us today. Thank you for tuning in. Hope you learned something. I'm Luke. I'm Sean. This has been Budding Business.